Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the transfiguration of our Lord. This is the final Sunday of Epiphany. You may recall that Epiphany, the season of Epiphany, began with the baptism of our Lord. And at the baptism of our Lord, God spoke from the clouds. And he said, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And now we have the, the pinnacle, the high point of the Epiphany season, which is uh, rightly a mountaintop experience in which God speaks again of Jesus saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and this begins the season of Lent. Uh, we will have a service at 7 p.m. I hope that you can, can be here. Lent is a season of preparation, of fasting, praying, as we look forward to Holy Week and that glorious Easter celebration. Throughout Lent, we will not sing Alleluia. You'll notice in the hymnal, it will say this is omitted during Lent. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to take our banner down, our Alleluia banner, and we'll process out with that today. And we will bury it, so to speak, uh, for the season of Lent. But today, we observe the transfiguration, where Peter, John, and James beheld his glory. I want to start out with the Old Testament lesson where we hear of the death of Moses. God gave Moses a vision of the promised land, but would not allow him to enter it. That's because Moses, you may recall, struck the rock with a staff to bring water out. Why is that such a big deal? Well, because God had said, speak to the rock, but Moses struck it. And so uh, for that act in which he forsook God's word, Moses was not permitted to enter the promised land. Moses is here described in this text from Deuteronomy as a mighty prophet of God. Yet he was a fallen man like us. You'll notice at verse 6 that it was God who buried Moses. You know, you might not notice that, but that's why I want to draw your attention to it, because it, it was God who actually buried Moses. And that's significant for a couple reasons. One is that our, in our burial, our burial is, is um, pictured as being sown in the ground, like you sow a seed. And, and it was God who was planting, if you will, Moses in the ground. Uh, looking forward, just like, what do you do? You put a seed in the ground. You look forward to the, t the time where it gives growth and begins to sprout up. Well, you put a body in the ground looking forward to the resurrection that is to come. The second reason, and more significantly, really, is that God handled a dead body, Moses. And you'll recall that the touching of a dead body was ceremonially unclean to the Jewish people. But, of course, you'll also recall that didn't stop Jesus from laying his hands on Lazarus, on a dead, dead body, speaking, uh, entering a room even, which would have been scandalous. But God, put, God handled Moses and buried him. He saw to it himself, which 
it's just, it just shows that God is not a far and distant, faraway God, but God is near to us. He comes near to us. That uncleanness of Moses, Moses' dead body, that didn't stop God from coming near and burying him. All right, I want to turn to the gospel lesson. So Jesus took with him three of the apostles. Can you name them? You don't have to say it out loud, but just think in your mind. Okay, there, were, there was Peter, Simon Peter, rugged fisherman, Simon Peter. There was John, and there, was, and there were James, uh, John and James being brothers. The law required two or three witnesses. So here are three witnesses to this event. They go up on the mountain and we hear that the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. And we know that these were Moses and Elijah, not because uh, Peter and John and James had a picture of like the yearbook of you know, the year that Moses and the, 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 you know, this was the first class that came out of Egypt or, or something. He didn't have his picture, but it was a divine revelation that they could look and see, this is Moses, this is Elijah. They were just simply known for who they were. Um, <clears throat> so there was Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, the Messiah, Jesus, the representative of the law, Moses, and the representative of the prophets, Elijah. And they were often regarded that way. You'll recall Jesus saying, you have uh, the law and the prophets, you know, and that was a way of referring to the scriptures because you have the law, the, uh, uh, the Torah, and you have the, the prophets, the prophetic writings of the prophets. Elijah being one of the foremost of the prophets or the foremost so we have here in this, uh, in this picture a conversation that's happening between the law and the prophets and the Messiah, Jesus. And they were speaking of something. What were they speaking of? They were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Of course, that departure would be Jesus' departure from earth. Jesus uh, suffering, his death, his burial, and his resurrection and his ascension. They were speaking about this. What's interesting here is this word departure. We've translated departure. If I give you the Greek word, you'll recognize it immediately. Exodus. That's the word. His exodus. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were all talking about his upcoming exodus. Now, don't think for a moment that Luke, as he's recording this, is not thinking, is not trying to draw your attention to the parallels with the exodus from Egypt. How God took the people Israel who went down into Egypt and were made to be slaves there. And then God brought them up out of Egypt to their promised land. And we read about that in the book Exodus. And in just the same way, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are talking about how Jesus is going to go down into the pit 
and he's going to be buried and he is going to be brought up out of the pit and he is going to be resurrected and ascend into heaven. Now Luke gives us two responses to this miraculous transfiguration. First, we have Peter's response. This is great. Let's build some tents and you can stay for a while. Peter wants to hang on to this moment. At this point, Peter doesn't understand that Jesus must suffer first, that he has to suffer before he's ultimately glorified. And Luke says as much because he says in, the, in this gospel here uh, that, Luke, that Peter was not knowing what he said. Peter doesn't, he doesn't understand what he's saying. But his, his reaction is very earthly. It's a very earthly reaction. Let's build some tents and stay here. All right, the second response comes from God. God the Father speaks through the cloud which came over them all, and he says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. What's more important than anything else uh, is that in this transfiguration, Peter, James, and John are to see and to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Let there be no doubt. God is affirming once more, this is my son, my chosen one. This is the one you are to listen to. The Christ, the son of God. John wrote in, in his gospel, he said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And John meant he had seen his glory. He was on that mountaintop. He saw his glory. Peter also records in Second Peter, he says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty because Peter was there to witness this in the Mount of Transfiguration. All right, Peter goes on to say, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. What's more, speaking from the cloud, God the Father enjoined them to hear Jesus, listen to him. This echoes the commandment which God gave to Israel from Deuteronomy 18, The Lord your God will, this is Moses saying to the people of Israel, what would happen? He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of of the Lord my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth. 
and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Now, in these words from Moses, there's a general application that uh, God would raise up prophets in Israel and they would speak God's word. But here on the Mount of Transfiguration, God is applying this specifically to Jesus. And he's saying, this is the one to whom you are to listen. Jesus is the son of God. It is to him that we are to listen. He speaks the final word. The people of Israel had Moses and the prophets. Again, that was a way of saying they had the Old Testament. They had the scriptures, Moses and the prophets. And they were to listen to them. But now this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is confirmed to be that long-awaited Christ. And Peter, James, and John are to listen to him. So what is that word that Christ speaks to which we are to listen? Well, Jesus has many words to speak to us, and his words are recorded throughout the Holy Scriptures. You know, there's uh, uh, some people that say, well, I'm a red-letter Christian. And what they mean by that is they're talking about the translations or the, the uh, published Bibles where the words of Jesus are in red letters. And you'll see that sometimes the words of Jesus are in red, so they, they pop out. Well, every word in the Bible is from Jesus. So, you know, I mean, nothing against a red letter Bible, but look, you can't just stick with the red. <laughs> it's all his word. He takes he claims it all as his own. Anyway. <clears throat> Certainly, we are to read, to study Um, to learn and to grow, to take in all of the counsel that we have in the scripture, all of God's word. It's all for our benefit. But I want to quote from John in his gospel where he says, uh, toward the end of the gospel in the 20th chapter, he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, life in the name of Jesus is the end goal of all of this. So that's what is the word that Jesus speaks to us. So what is it? What is the final word? What is it that he's really getting at here? Hear him. I mean, hear this very clearly. Jesus says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Everything that he has, everything he has to teach us in his word about how we are to order our lives, about how we are to live, about how we are to treat one another, about how we are to interact with the community. That's all great, and that's all important. But the final word of Christ is, I came to die for you, to forgive you of your sins. I came to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. You don't have a righteousness of your own. You know it. The law is really good, not just for instructing us, but also for measuring ourselves and looking at it like it's a mirror and going, oh no, I, I don't 
I don't measure up to God's law. And that's where Jesus comes in and says, that's right. And I'm glad you heard that because that was my word. And here's the final word. I came to take that for you. I've given myself for you. You're forgiven. Trust in me. Trust that I am here to forgive you your sins. And you are forgiven. And it promises for you and for your children, for all who will call on the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ came to serve you. He lived the perfect life that you couldn't live. He dirtied himself with your sins. He touched your uncleanness. He gave his life for you. And he was delivered up for your trespasses and raised for your justification. That is the word that you are to hear and to believe. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.